0: Well, hello, everyone. Welcome again to another episode of Troy Talk uh, podcast. Uh, it's a great and lovely day here today. Um, have a very special guest. Uh, his name is Sari Abraham. And let me tell you a little bit about him. He is uh, the founder of Financial Asset Protection. Uh, and what how he came across this was after learning the infinite banking concept, also known as uh, be your own bank, uh, and so we're going to talk a lot about that today. But Sarah, he saw this opportunity to save uh, people's retirement ca- retirement accounts, real estate properties, and businesses from market failures and other risks. He believes in the number one rule to your money is to make sure it is somewhere safe and accessible. Uh, He states when working with his clients, it is never an either or situation. I like that. It is a both and situation. So we want to talk about that, too. Uh, uh, We want uh, uh, we want he says we want you to integrate the solutions we recommend alongside your business and real estate portfolio to have a double uh, compounding Mm -hmm. effect on your money. He's also uh, a graduate uh, of Keller. Uh, he has an MBA. Uh, he is in located in Chicago, Illinois. He's He worked with some great big companies, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Allstate Insurance, uh, Allstate Insurance, Amana, and Cigna. And he uh, is married, his wife is named Dina and she is an oncology nurse. So I'm going to introduce some and present to others, uh, to our audience, Sari, Abraham, thank you for joining, sir. Hi, Troy. Thank you so much for having me
1: on. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here and I'm, I'm excited to have a conversation. Awesome.
0: So uh, for so those that don't know, uh, probably Sarah and I can probably talk about this topic uh, a lot because we're both uh, kind of in the industry. I'm, a, I'm in the industry also, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a topic that many people uh, are not aware about. Mm-hmm. They don't know about. So Sarah, let's start with explain to people what IBC Infinite Banking concept is and how you got started there. How did how you got this journey?
1: Yeah, definitely. So what I will actually do is I'll go the opposite. I'll talk about the journey and then talk about Infinite Banking. Sure. So okay. So I, um, as you mentioned, I worked for those insurance companies and I was kind of always on the lookout for solutions. Um, during the time I was a Medicare broker, I was working with clients. Um, who worked for the city of Chicago and then were retiring and merging on to their own um, individually owned plan. So they were leaving their employer plans, moving on to their own plans. And that was my job for a few years, just helping them make that transition, making sure okay. that doctors were in network, their prescription drugs were aligned with the, the plan they were going to go to. So there's a lot of problem solving involved, a lot of listening, a lot of communication with my clients. And I started to build a, a really good relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And one of my clients asked me if I could help him with life insurance. And he mentioned, you know, I, he's like, I heard there's a life insurance policy that has cash value. And then the cash value builds up and eventually the policy that ends up paying for itself. And I was like, you know, I didn't know what he was talking about, but based on the way he positioned the question or based on the way he asked the question, I was like, this is, this is pretty appealing and could be very beneficial for a lot of people. So I told him I will do research and I'd get back to him. And then I went to Amazon and I just searched for books on life insurance. And I came across one book called the bank on yourself revolution by Pamela Yellen. And the book talks about the bank on yourself concept, which was invented by Pamela Yellen. And the book is, and to break it down even further, the bank on yourself concept, what that is, it's also known as the infinite banking concept. It is the utilization of cash value, whole life insurance for um, self-banking purposes, for for you to have the ability to become your own source of financing, for you to grow uh, a tax-free retirement and other benefits too. But I think what really drew me to it, it wasn't just the title of it. It wasn't just, you know, the, the, the shiny object of, of it being whole life insurance. Rather, it's what what it could do, like the function of it, the purpose of it, and kind of how it moves within people's you know, financial lives. Right. Um, so that's how I came across the concept. And then, you know, back to my Medicare client, I was like, this not only could help him, but this could help anybody, anybody who's a small business owner, who is... A full-time employee who's a retiree and who's somebody who's looking to retire in the next 10 years in any situation in any one of those situations this could be uh, financially beneficial so that's how i came across the concept i then became a bank on yourself professional and this is what our main focus is right now our main focus is using infinite banking or you know i'll, I'll keep you know using them interchangeably infinite banking and bank on yourself but that's what our kind of our goal is is to um, help small business owners real estate investors and full-time employees use the strategy to become their
0: own, um, become their own banker. Let me ask you a couple of questions and I'm just notes because I, I, I like to ask questions. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and, and I know these questions, but I want the audience to my yes. audience to, to know these questions. So first question is you, when you say whole life people, here, uh, you know, some years ago, people said whole life was bad. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to whole life, then and whole life
1: now? Yeah, that's an awesome question, Troy. So I think it goes both ways. So yeah, whole life insurance could be bad uh, in certain ways. And what that means is that when we talk about infinite banking and bank on yourself, we're not saying every single you know whole life insurance product from every single company. It had There has to be certain things that have to be accounted for. Like number one, I guess what has to first be accounted for is the objective. If your objective is to start this self-banking, self-banking function or to become your own source of financing, then it's, it's you must know that not every insurance company could do that. Only a set, a, a few amount of insurance companies could do that. Um, and there are certain qualities that these companies need to have or these products need to have in order for you to align with your objective.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So number one, it has to be from a mutually owned insurance company and not a stock owned insurance company. So it has to be an insurance company that gives dividends back to the policy owners Um, Number two, and I guess to go back to number one, the difference between a stock owned company and a mutually owned company, a stock owned company gives their dividends to shareholders, mutually owned insurance companies give their dividends back to the policy owner. So you want to be on the dividend receiving side of the company. And then number two, you need to make sure there's something called a paid up additions rider um, in place. The paid up additions rider helps turbocharge the cash value over time. It helps increase the cash value and the death benefit over time. Um, it also helps with flexibility not every insurance company offers the paid up additions rider so you need to make sure they have it and you need to make sure there's an an advisor this is not something you want to just go online and just do on your own you want to make sure you have a trusted advisor a competent advisor who specializes in the focus of cash value whole life insurance for self baking purposes that's completely different than just an, an agent selling life insurance only you need to make sure they actually know what they're talking about and they know what paid up additions rider is and it's and then it's properly structured too. So the policy is not just all, you know, life insurance only or all base life insurance. There's a a healthy combination between the base life insurance and the paid up additions rider. So that way it gives you that increase in cash value on a tax favored basis, also creating, giving you liquidity and flexibility too. And then number three, you need to make sure it's something called a non-direct recognition company. Uh, What this means is Let's say you're building your whole life insurance policy, right? And you reach a point where you have $100,000 in cash value. So that's your current cash value is $100,000. Now, let's say you need to um, finance something. You want to buy a home or you want to, you're a real estate investor or you're a business owner, whatever the case might be, you need $50,000. You can go to the policy and borrow against it. In a non-direct recognition situation, the insurance company will keep paying you interest and dividends on your entire $100,000 as if you didn't touch it. Because when you borrow that $50,000, you're borrowing it from a different source. You're not subtracting from your cash value. You're leveraging your cash value. You're borrowing against it. So you need to make sure.
0: uh Stop for a second. So I want you to repeat that again. Mm -hmm. So when a person is borrowing the money, they're not borrowing from the cash, they're leveraging and actually borrowing the money from the insurance company, correct?
1: Exactly, yeah. They're using a much bigger pool of capital um, and, and the, the benefit to that is you don't, you don't subtract from your balance. So okay. you're, you're borrowing against it. And that's really important for building uninterrupted growth. You want to always be able to use your money and save it at the same time. And through the non-direct recognition feature, or part of the insurance company, that's how you can do it. If the company is the opposite of that, if it's a direct recognition company, then that will hinder or affect your ability to grow your money when you're borrowing, because when you borrow the interest and dividends will be reduced based off of having an outstanding loan. So you need to make sure it's a non-direct recognition company. And then number four, of course, it has to be whole life insurance. Um, just to be cl- clear about that, it has to be whole life. So when you take these four, so there's about 1200 insurance companies in the United States. When we, took it, when we take into account these four qualities just mentioned, it literally narrows it down to three companies and sometimes a fourth company. So mm-hmm. only three companies could really do all these things, but again, it's really, I, I want the audience to really remember that this is not about which object is the best object to buy or which product on the shelf is the best product to shelf. It's not a, uh, a matter of, you know, uh, being a retail consumer. This is a matter of which which concept or which product could help me in the, in the solve problems and seek opportunities.
0: And, and, I, and I like that you said that the first thing you said was, what is your objective?
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah.
0: once you figure out the objective, that's going to, determine uh which way you go and 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 i like to liken it i i've dealt with people i said look i said a roth ira a 401k a whole life insurance an iul insurance mm-hmm. all these are tools yep yeah. and you've got to figure out if you're building a house a saw is a tool or drill is a tool a hammer is a tool it depends on what objective you want to accomplish to build to build that particular project in order which tool to use. And that's how you approaching it. Okay, what is your objective? Okay, your objective is this. Mm -hmm. This would be the best tool to to complete that objective. Now, let me ask you this, Sarah: Big, big, big uh, uh, debate. IUL versus infinite banking. Yeah, yeah. What is your um, philosophy?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a good question. Good observation. Good question. And just to be transparent up front, um, all my specialty, my focus Mm -hmm. is on whole life insurance. The contracts I have are only with companies that mostly specialize in whole life insurance and specifically infinite banking. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as an independent broker, technically I could go out and get IUL contracts with different carriers or index universal life contracts. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't, because to be transparent, I'm not fully competent or understand how index universal life works. Gotcha. I do know that you know, um, if if it comes to infinite banking, so I'm more on the concept side than I am on the product side. So I, I'll, I'll go, I'll go for the concept and I'll go for the function of that concept and how it gotcha. can help people, rather than um, the actual product, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. But to kind of explain it like this concept. So, uh, IUL would be more theoretical because mm-hmm. it's based on projections. Yeah, yep. Whereas uh, the whole life, uh, Infinite Banking, would be more um, practical f- from that standpoint. And then uh, the, an- another way, uh, IUL would be more long term. If, yeah. if you want long term, and infinite bank will be more, I guess, more midterm because you could take the money out, but uh, uh, earlier. But you, but better be more, to, in order to accumulate, you need to keep it in there, keep funding the policy. Mm-hmm. What are some myths that people have about this concept?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, one myth is that um, actually, there's a lot of myths. So okay. one myth could be that it's a bad investment, or you know, okay. it's uh, and and that's what that was already discussed. Is that so? to kind of clarify from the beginning, you know, from from the top is that whole life insurance and using infinite banking is not an an investment. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a saving strategy that could be used for investment. So that means I could fund a whole life policy. I could borrow against, I could go buy stocks, bonds, I can buy real estate, I can invest in businesses, whatever the case might be. That's Mm -hmm. kind of the the use of it. It's meant to replace a savings account at a bank. Um, It's a savings alternative. That's kind of the the, the the reason why most people do it is it's, it's a savings alternative. It's not an investment. So one myth is that people say whole life insurance is a bad investment. Well, it could be. In that sense, it could be a bad investment because it's technically not an investment. It's not meant to be used that way. Um, another myth is that um, it's very illiquid, meaning that it's not there's, there's very little liquidity. And again, it could be that way if it's not properly structured. I, I've worked on many cases where a clients can put in $400,000, or $300,000 day one, and then seven days later, turn around and borrow 90% of that. So they can literally put in, you know, even a hundred thousand dollars and then turn around seven days later, seven business days later and take out $90,000. In my opinion, that's a very liquid savings vehicle. Um, so you need, to, so I guess, you know, I, I'm really, I'm really, um, focused on and zoomed in on the titles of things because as a financial planner, as somebody who specializes in this, I see a lot of clients, um, have tunnel vision or, or kind of, they're kind of like stuck on titles, you know, so, (laughs) you know, another myth to this kind of a myth slash objection where we're, we're talking to a client and we're putting together the solution. And they might say, well, you know, with term life insurance, I can get three times or four times the amount of coverage, or maybe even five times the amount of coverage with, um, then, then whole life insurance. Mm-hmm. And to answer that, it goes back to the objective. What's the objective? If the objective? your objective right. is to become your own source of financing, then term life insurance cannot do that for you, no matter how cheap it is. Uh, if your objective is purely just life insurance only, then maybe I would say term is a better fit for you. So it has to be, I guess I guess there has to be consistency and alignment with what your goals are, your objectives um, and, and the problems you're having and the opportunities you want to seek. And they all kind of have to fit in a nice row, and the, the solution you have to you implement has to address each one of those. And I see infinite banking typically, and not to be biased, but I see it most of the time fitting all those checks, you know, from safe money to taxes to asset protection to um, legacy continuation to business succession. I see, I see infinite banking tap into each one of those areas, even if and to kind of throw a curveball at the audience, even if somebody says, I'm only concerned about life insurance only, that's all I want. Mm-hmm. most advisors would say, all right, let's do term insurance. But I, I'll, I'll challenge that. And I'll say, here's the thing about term life insurance. It's a term life insurance is a matter of, of if and, and not when. So the insurance companies are, are insuring you and with the hopes that you won't pass away because it's a matter of if you will. So for example, somebody is 40 years old, they do a 30 year term policy. The only way the insurance company will take on that 30 year risk is if they're not paying that claim out. So if it's a million dollar 30 year term, Mm -hmm. they're betting 99% that that person will survive all 30 years, pay the premiums for all 30 years and not pass away. Mm -hmm. If they have doubt that that person will pass away within 30 years based off of health conditions, they'll probably gonna either deny the the application or they will um, give like substandard or non-standard rating, you know, like table B or C or whatever the case might be. And then, if let's say, for example, you're 40, you do a 30 year term, and then you pass, and then at age 70, the policy cancels. But let's say at age 71 now, you're diagnosed with cancer, and then at age 73 or 74, you pass away. Um, Now, the the life insurance function didn't come into play. I mean, it's a very sorry to throw such a harsh example out there, but but, um, uh, let's say you're 71, now you're diagnosed with cancer, you can't renew that term policy, you can't get any life insurance now. And the the function of life insurance, now only the objective of life insurance now is off the table. So whole life insurance could make it a permanent form where no matter what, your family, your beneficiaries will get that money eventually. Unless you live to 121 years old, you'll get the entire life insurance policy back to you, the entire endowment back to you. So I guess it it could address multiple functions and multiple objectives, but you have to know your objectives before you do this concept.
0: Uh, Sarah, let me ask you, you, you said something. So, uh, I like something you said. So you're saying that a savings alternative. Yeah. So you, so what I'm understanding is, uh, and I did some research that, uh, the average bank is paying 0.9% mm-hmm. savings account uh, some of the major banks is paying 0.01%.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you're saying that this is a alternative for savings that a person can get more than 0.9% and access it. Uh, if, if, if worst case scenario, 90%, if need be the next day.
1: Exactly. Yes. Um, it's, it's definitely much greater than a savings account. I have um, a savings account with Chase Bank right now. And I think I get one penny um, a month for every thousand I have something like that. Mm-hmm. I, right. either, it's either one penny per year, one penny per month, right. something yeah, <laughs> fractional, very, very right. tiny, you know? Um, so yeah, it's definitely, and I would say it's a savings account alternative. It gives you far more uh, growth than a savings account also far more. And then also you don't have the, you don't interrupt your growth. So let's say for example, you're building up this policy and then you need to access it, you're not going to interrupt that growth and subtract mm-hmm. from the principal, And then have to do it all over again. You keep growing your money. It's kind of like, um, an increase in cash value, but still having liquidity in the meantime, so you can still access that money and still borrow against it to use over and over and over again. And that's something that's really important for a lot of clients to know is back to the myth or obstacle thing is that some clients would say, well, what's the annual rate of return on this? What's the average annual rate return? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's irrelevant, but I'll answer it anyway. It's it's a very conservative rate. It's 3%, maybe 4%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with dividends throughout your whole life, probably come out to a 5% average. And then clients would say, well, I can go and get 8 or 10% somewhere else. And... It's not meant to, as you mentioned earlier, it's not an either or position, it's not an either or uh, concept. Mm-hmm. Rather, we could do both. We could save in the policy, borrow against it, and then use to fund those those investments that are 8 to 10%, wherever they might be. So it's the volume of the you, it's, it's how you use your dollars, not just where you park them to earn you higher rates of return. I think that's a very um, limited or fixed mindset way of looking at financials is that financial planning is not meant to go, to, you know, it's not retail shopping where which product has the nicest, you know, ingredients or the nicest rate of return. Rather, it's, it's how it works and how it can work in your life over and over again. Because back to the whole savings account thing that I just mentioned, you know, one penny for every thousand, my bank is then taking that thousand and then multiplying it by 10 times that sure. and then yeah. loaning that out to other people and charging those people you know um you know 10 12 16 on credit cards and auto loans and other place other things and they're doing that over and over and over again they're churning the, those dollars over and over again and that's what people need to understand that's what clients need to understand is that you need to have the ability to churn your dollars over and over again without ever interrupting them and without chasing mythical returns you know and chasing things that are quite irrelevant so it's um you know, I I've been talking for a while, and I get really passionate about this. No, no, so no, I never...
0: <laughs> no. I see. I, I love this, and uh, I, I know all this, but I want the people to hear yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So when they're listening, because they don't know. So he, he, here's uh, so 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 basically, Sarah, what you said is that I, I caught this. Now I don't know if people caught this. So you said uh that a person could use it as a saving vehicle and then turn around and go buy the stocks at 10, yeah. 12, 15%. So it's not a, and, and, or it's a both yeah. uh, situation. So they could do both. Uh, and so I want people to understand that's what you were saying, uh, that um, it's an alternative saving, but you want to get more than you can a, a bank, which we just know you said you get a chase of giving you one penny per a thousand or something yeah. like that. Something that it ain't even worth trying to calculate, <laughs> <laughs> right? And, and uh, so they can uh, uh, do that. Uh, I was in a room uh, on the clubhouse mm-hmm. uh, a couple of days ago, and I was in a real estate room. And the name of the the name of the topic was uh, other f- other ways to fund your real estate deals that you don't know about. Yeah. And guess what the strategy was?
1: Infinite banking.
0: Infinite banking. Yes, <laughs> that's what that was the strategy. Uh a guy named Jake was a uh, song Jake Song was talking about the infinite banking uh concept and he was in a real estate, born showing people they could use this to fund their deals, their real estate deals. And mm-hmm. and a couple of uh people who are have been involved in real estate and really have real estate deals said uh, these people, their, their, main, uh, area was real estate said they've used the infinite banking concept to fund some of their deals. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, I can
1: see the hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, so let me ask you this. Uh, mm-hmm. you mentioned about taxes. What advantage is taxes for a person for using the infinite banking concept Well, they have to pay taxes on the money that they take out or the, or their growth? Yeah.
1: So in most situations, the only time, so yeah, the answer is no, you don't have to take, you don't have to pay taxes on the growth. You don't have to pay taxes while it's in your policy growing. You don't have to pay taxes, taking out loans and withdrawals and the death benefits income tax-free. Now here's the thing though, all this is true, unless it's a modified endowment contract. That means it's a MEC policy. Mm -hmm. If it's a MEC policy, the growth is still tax deferred. Um, The only times you have to pay taxes are if you take out withdrawals and loans, uh, if you're under the age of 59 and a half, you have to pay a 10% tax penalty plus um, the ordinary tax on it. Uh, the, the death benefit is still income tax-free, whether it's a modified endowment contract or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see what else. And in most situations, it's just kind of out of common sense or common logic when it comes to taxes. And I'm not a tax professional, but just kind of from a basic standpoint, um, it's, it's the use of post-tax dollars. So you're, you're working, you're paying taxes on the money, and then deposit into a whole life policy, it grows tax-deferred. When you take the money out, it's, it's uh, tax-free loans, tax-free withdrawals. That's why, uh, that's really why it's tax-free is because of the nature of life insurance and the fact that you're, you, you're paying tax on the money first and then paying the premiums and then earning on the premiums. So it's not like something where it's too good to be true. Now, if I said that you wouldn't pay taxes on the money going in and it grows tax-deferred and everything else, right. That would, that would not be true of course, or, and that would lead to suspicion because it's too good to be true. How is the government making money? Then right. the government makes money because they're getting the taxes
0: upfront from you. Now, uh, isn't it up to the agent or the financial professional to make sure when it's structured properly, it's not a, a MEC or modified endowment contract.
1: Absolutely. It's up to the uh, insurance, the, the broker, the advisor, and the insurance company. So um, I think every advisor should always, should never show um, any illustrations. They should never make any recommendation, financial recommendations. They should never submit any applications to any insurance companies unless they know the client situation. So if you're listening to this and you're wondering, how do I know if you know the person I'm dealing with um, is reliable or not, you need to, they, need, they need to ask you questions. It's mm-hmm. like when you go to a doctor, the doctor doesn't, doesn't just prescribe you medication. Correct. They ask you questions. You know, how, you know, how long have you had chest pain? How long? Whatever they had, they diagnose you. They ask questions. And then based off of your age and weight and other things like that, they make a specific recommendation. You know, they mm-hmm. know that's their job. They're, they right. diagnose and prescribe. And the same is true with financial professionals. We should listen, ask questions, and then based off of their financial situation, okay, they live in the state of California. Okay, they're, they're in this tax bracket, or, you know, it would make sense for them to do, you know, X, Y, and Z. We need to then prescribe or make the recommendation based off of after the facts have been delivered so you need to really understand them and this is where the knowing the modifying the contracts come in is that you know the products you know the companies you know how to structure them and you know how and sometimes that you could do a modifying endowment contract i've done them before with clients uh, intentionally we've done them knowing that there's a tax liability but it's the other benefits of it that right yeah Yeah, the strategy behind exactly now uh, where the insurance company comes in is for example when you have a policy let's say you have a policy you're paying in ten thousand dollars a year Mm -hmm. depending on the company and other factors you might have room in the policy let's just say uh two thousand dollars more i'm not saying that it's always going to be 20 percent more but let's just say from this example Mm -hmm. you put ten thousand dollars in and you have room wiggle room to add in an extra two thousand dollars let's say you just write a check for another ten you pay ten thousand dollars. For the year, and then you write another check for $10,000 on top of that, Um, the insurance company is going to send you a letter saying, hey, you just sent us um, a check for another 10,000, a total of 20,000 in premium for this year. You've gone $8,000 above your uh, modified endowment contract limit, above your MEC limit. We can take the money, we can increase your cash value and your life insurance by X amount of dollars, Mm -hmm. but now it's going to be a modified endowment contract. And then they say, you know, you have to call, you have there, they do, they have certain steps in place to make sure that you, in fact, know it's going to be a modified and dominant contract though. They should also send that same letter right. to your broker or your advisor. And then they'll also explain to you like, Hey, you were going from a non-MEC policy to a MEC policy. Do you understand that do you accept everything they that? And, and I've never seen, I've never done that way. And I nor will I ever probably do it that way where, we go from non-MEC to MAC in the middle. Usually if we're gonna do a MAC policy, it's gonna be from the start of the policy for, yeah. and we know what we're getting into.
0: Wow, Sarah, thank you for uh, sharing uh, and educating us on uh, this uh, awesome concept. And it's a concept that many are not aware of, uh, but you mentioned uh, Pamela Yellen. Uh, I'm also familiar with her and also yeah. Nelson Nash. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, you can go and Google these people and mm-hmm. the information. Uh, but as 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 um uh, Sarah said, make sure you, you get uh w- with the financial professional. Sarah, um since we uh uh time is of essence, any other thing you wanna add, you wanna share, uh any tip or something you wanna add before uh we wrap up. No, that's all. Thank you so much for having me on. Just
1: remember to always think like a bank. Don't just think like a consumer or, you know, a buyer, think like a bank. Think like a um, bank. Then uh, ironically, that, that's the name of our show. It's called thinking like a bank that, our name of our podcast. So check that out. Um, you mentioned two people, Nelson Nash and Pamela Yellen. They both wrote books. Now Nelson Nash wrote the book, becoming your own banker. Mm-hmm. And Pamela Yellen wrote the book, the bank on Yourself revolution. If the audience is interested, I can send you either copy for free uh, electronically. Okay. Uh, if you reach out to us, um, is it okay if I add my uh, address for people to reach out? My yes. uh, my email, I'm mean, sorry, my um, website address? Yes, go
0: ahead. If you want to go ahead and oh, tell you.
1: people how to get in touch with you. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, finassetprotection.com, F-I-N, assetprotection.com. Uh, the name of the company is Financial Asset Protection. You could also find me on LinkedIn, Sari Ibrahim. Um, and I look forward to hearing from you guys. I'll send you uh, either copy of the book you want. Just reach out to us. I'll send you both copies. If you'd like, just reach out. And I'll send you both copies. Awesome.
0: Well, uh, I like that. Uh, the one thing, I think the biggest thing that I'm taking away from what you said is, and and, and I might put this later on my social media, so I'm going to make sure you get credit. Think like a bank. <laughs> Think like a bank. Uh, my my audience, I want y'all to understand what what Sarah is trying to. He he said it earlier. He 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 may mention that uh, banks will uh, will give you peanuts on your money and turn around and loan it out and make big money. So he's he's saying, hey, think like the bank. So where you get more of your money. And, and, and if you know, and you get you get peanuts when you loan it out. But mm-hmm. I wanted to share that because uh, we have to change our mentality. Yeah, you know, we have to we have to think like the banks. Uh, well, Sarah, man, I have uh, enjoyed this uh, interview. Uh, like I said, I know we could go longer. I could I could ask There's a, a lot more stuff I wanted to ask, uh, but I wanted to keep for sake of sake of time. Uh, but I really, really appreciate you taking the time out and uh, sharing with me. Uh, in my audience, uh, a little bit more about the infinite banking concept. He have shared with you how to get in touch with him. Uh, get those books, uh Sarah. I'll email you. I'm gonna, I, I think I've got a, the copy somewhere, but I'm gonna send you a request to get both of them also, uh, and his electronic version too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes, yes, I correct. love the electronic version. So. Uh, cool. All right. Well, that's all I have. I hope everybody have a great day and uh, an awesome week. Again, my audience, thank you for checking this uh, podcast out. Uh, make sure you start thinking like a bank. Get with a financial professional. Uh, either Sarah or myself would be more than glad to help you. I hope uh, you have a great day. Thank you. Thanks, Troy. You're welcome.